You are listening to the Call to Action podcast, where we aim to inspire, educate, and inform entrepreneurs and self-starters on tech and tips related to navigating this ever-changing world. Thank you for tuning in to episode 17 of the Call to Action podcast. And today we have a special guest for our fireside chat, and his name is Matthew John Beneke. Matthew John Beneke is a speculative fiction writer originally from Brooklyn, New York. His interests outside of writing include playing and writing music on guitar and piano, photography, and photo editing. With his wife, Heather, he has traveled to all 50 United States and their capitals, as well as nearly a dozen Canadian provinces. Listen in as Matthew shares what inspires him, as well as some advice for aspiring authors on the Fireside Chat on the Call to Action podcast. Thank you for tuning in to episode 17 of the Call to Action podcast. I am your host, Shantae, and today we are having a fireside chat with speculative fiction writer, Matthew John Beneke. And before we bring our guest on the show, I would like to share today's motivational quote. And here is today's motivational quote for episode 17 of the Call to Action podcast. Just when the caterpillar thought the world was ending, he turned into a butterfly. So I hope you all found that inspiring. And when things get tough, just remember that it's not really ending. You're turning into something new and more beautiful, just like the butterfly. Please join me in welcoming our guest, the author of the Cosmogonia series, Matthew John Beneke. Matthew, thank you for joining me on the Fireside Chat on the Call to Action podcast. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. That's awesome. So Matthew, tell me, first of all, I got to go back. So define speculative fiction writer. Tell me just a little bit about that. Sure. Speculative fiction is um, sort of an umbrella term that covers a bunch of different elements of, uh, I guess, a, a bunch of different styles of writing. And when I first started to write my first book, when people would say, you know, what's it about or what what genre is it? I really didn't know how to answer them. And thankfully, another writer alerted me to speculative fiction. So speculative fiction pulls from a few different styles, like there's science fiction, fiction aspects, horror aspects, supernatural. Um, it, it's kind of like a little bit of everything without really adhering to to anyone, you know, in particular. And um, I felt like that really, I connected with that because I have a lot of different interests and brought those into my books. And it felt cool to have, you know, sort of like a unifying title that I could work under. Sounds good. Got it. Okay. Okay. Now, before we like really get into the meat of the show, I like to do an icebreaker. So for you, I like to know what is your superpower? So share that with us. Sure. If I had to pick one superpower that I think I have, it would be probably closer to something like Professor X from the X-Men series, um, because I feel like one of my strongest passions is helping people and helping to teach people, helping you know others to either improve their, their skill set or introduce new ones. And I feel like um, I have a, a good ability to read people, to read their you know emotional state and to understand them 
through conversation and, and just interacting with them. And I'd like to think that my superpower would be, you know, either teaching or, or helping others. Um, and, you know, that's something that I'm also extremely passionate about. So I think they go hand in hand. Sounds like we have a lot in common, Matthew. I mean, I like to do that, too. <laughs> that's why I do the podcast. I, I do. I like to share. And then if there's something I can do to help somebody else or, you know, just to kind of help help them along would be something that I wish I would have known. I like to share that kind of information. So yeah, absolutely. It makes, makes me feel good. Yeah. And it makes me feel good too. I like doing that. So Matthew, thank you for sharing your superpower. And now I'd like to know more about what inspired you. So let's start with first, like when did you know that you wanted to write? Um, great question. I, I can actually tell you the specific date. Um, it was April 9, 1990. And the reason it was that day in particular um, was that was the first time I ever had something published. It was an awful poem I wrote in the first grade that we submitted Aww. to a local newspaper um, that I cringe looking at now. But uh, at the time, it really served as the genesis of, of this passion that I have for writing. Um my biggest inspiration growing up, I guess, was my mom because she was a, an avid reader. She wound up working in our local library when I was a kid. So I was constantly surrounded by books and, and different, you know, different styles, different authors. Um, so when that moment came in 1990, that was the first time I saw something I wrote in print, saw my name. And I remember, you know, my, my family being excited and sharing it with each other. And there was just something that, I don't know, that just clicked inside of me that something I created could be of interest to someone else and that was really the 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 germ of it i guess and then that's awesome yeah and then i lucked out that i had phenomenal teachers all throughout elementary school and i remember um miss michelle shapiro dibiazzi uh, miss elaine noto and miss nancy male uh in particular those three teachers really fostered that interest in in creative writing and i actually still have the lime neon green um composition notebook that I had written all those stories in in fifth grade and it wow was, it was great because I, again I never really considered myself to be a creative person you know I, I see some kids even now that they know that they want to be you know painters or musicians or, or whatever and I never really had that even with writing it was just mm -hmm. sort of like an activity that I did in school but there was just something that I connected with in, in terms of the storytelling you know it, it was an opportunity to create but also to you know transport myself to any anywhere I could anywhere I wanted to go and that's what I loved about reading um and so for me writing was was that creative outlet but also an opportunity to give others the experience that I really loved from you know reading books whether it was Stephen King or C.S. Lewis um I had a, a pretty broad interest in terms of of the stories that I enjoyed reading and so I think that really influenced my writing style and what I do um now um, so that's it, awesome. It, it all started in that first grade classroom. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And I was going to say, and it's amazing how when you have really good teachers that it makes such a difference. This is years later and you're still recalling the names of the teachers that inspired you, like, and encouraged you when you were younger. I think that is just amazing. Do you, have you ever, have you connected with them later in life and have they seen your work? Uh, I have, yeah, especially with uh, my fourth grade teacher. Uh, I was able to connect with her through Facebook. One of the, the positive elements of, you know, social media, uh, being able to reconnect with some of those teachers. And it was cool because, you know, she really, she served as an inspiration in a number of ways. Like I was always a really shy, introverted kid. 
Um, and in her fourth grade class, her big claim to fame in the school was she did the fourth grade play. Um, and it was always like around, I guess, like a Disney theme or, or something to that effect. And she cast me in the lead. It, it was Beauty and the Beast. And I cannot tell you oh. the terror that I had cast in <laughs> that role. But she really um, she really inspired me. Her belief in me really helped me to overcome a lot. And so being able to get up on that stage and perform, I mean, you know, talk about wanting to be like a wallflower and shrinking back and being forced literally into the spotlight. Uh, it was such a great experience. And it really, you know, helped propel me forward because the following year, I was named the valedictorian of the school. And so I had to go and stand up in front of everybody and give a speech and do all that. And if it wasn't for, you know, her belief in me and, and, and that experience in that play, I'm sure that would have been a nightmare experience too. But, you know, my, my shift towards being an extrovert and being more comfortable with myself and interacting with others really started in that class and, and because of that play. So I owe her a lot in particular. So thanks, Miss Phoebe. Ozzie, that is so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. And it's just ama- life-changing moments at that age. And then look at you now. You're like a published author. <laughs> yeah. That is so cool. And she gets to see that. I think for if I were a teacher, I would be probably as proud as your parents. I'd be like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. You know, I wound up that ultimately, before I shifted fully towards writing, um, I was in education. That was the field that I ultimately had, you know, the professional drive to, to pursue. And part of the reason was wanting to give back, like knowing, knowing the impact that, that some teachers had on me and knowing that I could bestow that on others, you know, and, and really provide if, if nothing other than like the confidence building that comes with that, you know, like so many of these people mm-hmm. had that belief in me and that helped me to have that belief in myself. And I think, you know, being able to connect with, with kids like that, that's what really inspired me to get into teaching. And then, you know, through writing, I guess where I'm at now as a writer, especially, you know, being involved in social media, you, you, you see it personally in the writing community and, you know, and all that. My, I feel like mm-hmm. what I get out of it the most is, is helping others on their journeys, whether it's through writing advice or just even just a retweet, you know, whatever it is, just helping them get their stuff out there. I get more out of that experience than I do, you know, promoting myself or, or even sharing my own work, you know? So. Yeah, that is awesome. That's a beautiful story. Actually, it really is. And speaking of the writing community, yes, we do see a lot of that. I do a lot of that too. Like I, I'm not an author. I don't write any books. I don't have any plans to, but I love to support what you guys are doing. And you're just a fun bunch overall. I love being around creative people and I feel like I'm creative myself. Um, And so to be around peers like that and with social media, you can connect with thousands of people, you know, just at any moment and you can get on there any time of the day and you can connect with, you know, people from the writing community and someone's always posting something interesting or they're bringing you along, you know, introducing you to new people that they're working with or that are in their following list. So it helps you to really increase your network. Um, and just really get to learn more about people too. So I think that's really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is how we connected. Right. Well, and that's the thing I felt, I right? felt that same innate connection to you. Cause you see, I mean, you know, th- there are folks who are extremely self-interested and, and that's their right. You know, they can use the, their platforms and channels, however they'd like. But when you encounter someone like you, who clearly is interested in the opposite, you know, trying to uplift other people that really resonated with me and it does with plenty of others, you know, and, and fortunately there are many people that are like that, you know, and those are the folks that I gravitate towards. Cause I think we kind of have that same mentality, you know, 
that through li- yeah. through lifting up others, we, you know, we lift ourselves up as well. So. Right. And thank you. Yes. And I actually thank you because we reached when you reached out, I think you reached out to me and asked what you could do for me. You're the only person that's ever done that. Oh, wow. Well, and <laughs> yeah, really. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It like really touched me. I was like, that is so cool. So I had to have you. Had to have you on the no, show. I appreciate like, that. Definitely. <laughs> yes, definitely. Definitely. So tell me more about your book, um, your series, Cosmogonia. So just share a little bit about that with the listeners. Sure. So Cosmogonia started out from, I guess, an amassment of different influences. So when I was a kid, again, I was big into Stephen King um, from a literary standpoint, but my interests were really varied. I was into music, television shows, movies, video games, especially Final Fantasy, things like that. And so little by little, I realized that these influences were sort of creating something within my imagination and, you know, from personal experiences and things like that, I said, wow, it'd be really cool to do something with all of this. Like try, you know, I don't know, maybe to write a story. And so one day I sat down and, and, you know, I had an idea for a beginning and an ending and I said, Oh, maybe I'll, I'll jot it down, you know, get a couple of paragraphs out. And to make a long story short, that first book turned into you know, something much longer than I anticipated and ultimately became what should be a five novel series. Um, And Cosmogonia itself is like the Greek derivative of the word cosmogony, which is the study Mm -hmm. of the origins of the universe. And that was something that I was really fascinated with when I was in undergrad. Um, You know, I don't have a scientific background or anything like that. It was just, you know, I feel like it's something that unites everybody. Like every culture, Mm -hmm. every religion has an origin story. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool? And they're all very similar a lot of times. Well, that's exactly. And that's what I found so fascinating is that no matter what culture and really at any point in history, you know, there's always we've had this innate wonder about how everything began, you know. And when you get to the scientific side of it, it gets really interesting because, you know, you start talking about like if if you're discussing like the Big Bang you know, you're talking about the beginning of time and that engenders questions like, well, what happened before that? You know, the beginning of mm-hmm. space. Well, what, where, where was where before, you know, space existed? So those kinds of things really, you know, grasp, grasp my interest. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to kind of like, not merge, but like explore those kinds of concepts, but in a secular fashion, right? So ignoring like religion right. or philosophy or any of that, and really just sort of coming up with a fictionalized version of, of that. And that was the driving force for the novel. Um, and it really, I'm sure any other writer, you know, will tell you that when you, you, you start out with an idea um, and really the best stories start to tell themselves. And so after grappling with that, with, you know, the writing of the first two books, I said, I'm just going to let this go where it will. And it became something far more involved than I thought it would have been initially, you know, so what starts out as like a simple story in the lion in the desert, you know, prototypical good versus evil type of um, almost like adventure book. Uh, It Mm -hmm. it really blossomed into something more interesting and intricate. I'd like to think, you know, that explores things like that cosmogony and and stuff like that. So, so real cool. So let me ask you a question. So are your books, is it more for like young adults, um, adults, teens? Like what, who did you write for with these, with the series? Sure. So the series, I, so it's the, the audience itself, I'd say probably skews a little more towards the adult side, just because of the nature of some of, of what gets explored. So the concepts and things okay. like that. But uh, I'm proud to say that I actually had my, my nine-year-old son, his is an avid, avid reader. And 
he's really been, you know, developing his, you know, repertoire of, of books that he, he likes to enjoy. And so I decided to share my first book with him. So he read it and enjoyed it, which was cool. That was an, a neat experience oh, as good. a dad, you know? Um, oh, yeah. I, I think, you know, any, anybody, adolescents up to, you know, to adults for sure, uh, would be like the target audience. That's awesome. Wow. So do you have your books? They're on Amazon, right? Yes. Yes. So they are on Amazon. You know, originally when I had this, so my dream originally was to be like a traditionally published author and to go for, you know, the top of the New York Times bestsellers list. And that was something that I, you know, that was the dream, like specifically concrete, anything short of that would have been a failure. And what's funny is when I was in graduate school, one of the guys in, in my um, literature courses was a published writer. I mean, he wrote more than three dozen novelizations for Star Trek. He had some real, you know, really wow impressive credentials to his credit. He w- would attend conferences with Stephen King. I mean, you know, he, he was involved in uh, the community that I hope to get involved in. And his advice right out of the gate was don't pursue like traditional publishing is, is not what it used to be Consider independent publishing. And to that point, everyone had told me the opposite. You know, there was almost like a stigma against being a self-published author. And, you know, at that time, this was probably kind of almost 15 years ago, I guess now, you know, at that time, self-publishing was, was looked down upon because it showed, I don't know, a lack of patience, a lack of willingness to, you know, to, to go through the process, if you will. And mm-hmm. in that, in the, the past 15 years, the whole landscape has changed. You know, Amazon's really offered up an opportunity for voices that might not have been heard to, to get their, you know, their, their time to shine. And right. the more I heard from, from people that I respected to pursue independent publishing, I gave it an opportunity. And, and honestly, for me, at least, uh, I've been so much happier in that pursuit going the independent route because it's given me more creative control. Um, and as someone with varied interests and skill sets, it's something that I really enjoy. I design my own covers. I do the typesetting. It's, it's something that I, I want the creative control over because I, I can express myself in those ways too, you know? So it's neat to be able to interact and have that, that degree of influence over my finished product. You know what? That's the a common thread I've heard from other authors that are independent or self-published is the fact that they do get that creative control with their books and what they put in there. And I, I think that's cool. I think it's important it's probably for me an entrepreneurial mindset because I work for myself, you know, sweet entrepreneur, you're in control of what you do Mm. and I'm a hands-on person and I like that. And I, I think that, you know, it just, it takes a certain mindset. And I think that when you're self-published or independent author and having that control, it's like, it's your story. Who can tell you to take out (laughs) what's acceptable or, or what's not acceptable in something that you channeled as something that you wrote you know right but you know what that's how i see it it's it's a double-edged sword though and i understand why there is the stigma against it because Mm -hmm. you know i'm fortunately i'm someone who you know is open to to critical feedback and i really take a lot of it to heart um because i understand that there's a need for other perspectives right but there are a, a lot i would even say maybe almost a majority of independent writers who don't do that who are afraid of that criticism and so they do what they want almost to their detriment you know whereas i try mm, to be more without sincere. getting that additional like feedback from your peers to say hey this sounds good this doesn't sound good right exactly and Is also that what you're saying right okay. and and, and 
some of them also lack, you know, the experiential factor too, where, you know, for, so I'm, I'm lucky I do graphic design. Okay. You know, like I have an interest in photography. I've won, you know, a few photo competitions and things like that. So when I'm putting a critical, dude, you have it, like more than one superpower, man. You're like Superman. I, I try to spread it around. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Like I, I, I said, I, as a kid, I didn't know that I, I didn't consider myself to be a creative person, but now as an adult, I'm a musician, a photographer, a writer. Like I need these creative outlets in ways that I never anticipated. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is that, you know, for, for some people, they lack, I don't know, it's not the self-confidence, but they are afraid of being criticized and being corrected or, or being shown a different way. And so they use the independent path to sort of just put their stuff out there as is. And I've been asked mm. to review books and, you know, to do things like that. And sometimes it's very difficult because forget about typos and things like that. I mean, the writing itself is just not. It's really not ready to be published, you know, and, th- and sometimes these books have already been out for months and months and months, you know, and, and it's difficult to find, you know, a balance between being honest with people and encouraging, you know, when they don't want to hear the negatives. And that's the that's the problem where, you know, you get a traditionally published author, they're vetted, right? They have an agent more mm-hmm. often than not. There's a, a professional editing that's done. And, you know, that's something that's that's really, you know. I don't know. That was why I didn't even want to get into independent publishing was I was afraid like, well, people aren't going to take my work seriously because it's going to be paired against, you know, other people who haven't gone through the same vetting process. But what is the phrase? The cream of the crop will rise to the top. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that's what I figured. I said, you know what, if my work is worthy of being read and worthy of being shared, then it will, you know, over time it'll it'll get there. And thankfully, you know, it's been well received and and I feel like that's validated you know, my decision to go that way. And I think it's also too what, what your end results are, you know, some people want to be rich and famous, they want to be the next Stephen King or JK Rowling or, or whoever, and want to be famous through their work. For me, this is an artistic expression. This is something like, hey, I think this is a cool idea. So I write for myself first. And then if anyone else enjoys it, that's a bonus for me, you know, so it makes it takes the sting out of criticism, if someone doesn't like it, that's okay because that's their their perspective. You know, I wasn't trying to impress them or impress anybody. This was really done for me. So like I said, anything that any positive that comes with it is like a bonus. Matthew, thank you. Wow, you shared like some really good information. And so now I want to go more into advice, like what advice would you give to an upcoming or aspiring author? Uh, sure. So um, I guess before we get started with that, that term aspiring author actually drives me nuts. And I see it all the time in the writing community. And the reason why is it seems innocuous, right? But if you think about it, instead of being an aspiring author, I want people who want to be inspiring authors. Okay. And the thing with the, that phrase is it really says, I want to do this, but I haven't yet started, or I want to do this thing and I'm afraid to start. There's, there's connotations that come with it that I don't think people realize. And Mm. really the most difficult step is just getting started. You'd be surprised how many people I've spoken to that say, Oh, I, I wish I could write a book or, you know, I've always dreamed of writing a book. And they haven't even, you know, put their pen to paper or started typing at the keyboard because really the most daunting thing to a writer is a blank page. That's that's the biggest you know, source of writer's block. Um, and just getting started as simple a step as it sounds is the most difficult one. But doing it is really what's what gets the ball rolling. Um, 
I've been fortunate enough to been taken on board um, the advanced literate team. And that's um, uh, Taylor Voked is another awesome member of the writing community. And he, you know, he's given me an opportunity to write this article series that basically gives advice for up and coming writers, like going over just how to get started. Um, and now, do you post this on Twitter? I hadn't seen that. I, um, I do. Yeah. So unfortunately, uh, once um, my schedule shifted a little bit in December, I, had, uh-huh. I haven't written the next article, uh, but they're all linked on there. Um, and the website. OK, would, I'll make sure I'll share. Those. Sure. Yeah, it's advancedliterate.com. And if you go under, um, you know, the authors there, you'll, you'll see my stuff. And I mean, everybody that has stuff up there is great. Um, but what I've what I've used my platform for is really to give more of you know an educational background you know and, and instructional stuff um, because there the problem is it's again the internet's a double edged sword right there's just this surfeit of information out there and it can be daunting for someone who's trying to start out they don't really even know where to look or where to start and you know some of the information's less than reputable it, it can be difficult to get started so you know I tried to serve as an anchor point using my own personal anecdotes like how I got started the the struggles that I went through and the solutions that I found you know everyone's afraid of of writer's block and for me I think the biggest source of writer's block is is folks who are too self-critical they're trying to edit as they're writing for example you know and really the best Mm -hmm. the best solution to that is just to write don't even think about it just let it go and understand that there's there's a time to write and a time to edit and it's not necessarily the same time. <laughs> so I found that mm, that, good. Really, okay. you know, that really works. Uh, but for, for aspiring writers, you know, there's, there's so many steps that you can take. And, and those are things that I tried to explore in that article series and at the ongoing article series. Um, and I got up to the point of pretty much getting started. You know um, you can be someone who plots out a book and, and takes copious notes and gets everything set up. Or really, you could be, they, they call it a plotter or a pantser, right? So a plotter is someone that plots everything out, meticulous notes, uh, and really has like a framework that they go through. And a pantser is someone who flies by the seat of their pants, right? They just sit down and type. <laughs> and for me, I guess with most things, I find that I'm somewhere in the middle. You know, like I like to have notes to have something to fall back on. But the be- absolute best writing that I've done really was was when I just let the story lead me. And I found that out because I was struggling with my third novel, The Metamorphoses, to really like force it in this one direction. And no matter what I did, it just didn't feel right. It was laborious. It just, it was an awful writing experience. And one day when I was out for a walk to clear my head, I just sort of let it go and just said, well, what, you know, let me see what I can think of. And, and you know, let's see what the story wants. And all of a sudden, all of the struggles I had disappeared. And I went back to the computer and the story really did sort of tell itself from that point forward. So that's, um, you know, a really good approach to take from a writing standpoint. Um, the other bit of advice, though, and I see I'm fortunate that I come from a creative background, but also a business background. So my undergraduate degree is actually in finance. So I had, you know, courses in marketing, courses in finance, and I'm able to sort of, I don't know, dabble in both realms. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's a big struggle for writers whether they're established or not in in marketing themselves you know it's it's understanding how to leverage your platforms and and really how to create meaningful content like you you've seen it i'm sure in the writing community where it's people that just constantly post about their books i have a new book out book 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 you know and that's yeah that's a turnoff to people you know i mean Mm -hmm. and 
they just kind of feel lost in that. And, and I think we've discussed this before about, you know, being genuine and having that authenticity. Like it's more like the, the folks that I follow and interact with, I'm interested in the people, you know, the, the work is great. And, and I'm sure the writing is awesome too, but I like interacting with them and learning more about their interests and how I can help them, you know, do what they love. And too many mm-hmm. people get caught up in just, I don't know what they think of as like the business side of it, you know, and it's tough. Yeah. I think the thing about social media and probably people's concept of marketing in general is, is that really you have to learn that. And I'm sure you know this, but people, they buy from people that they like, you know? So if it's constant post about, Hey, look at my stuff, look at my stuff, look at my stuff. We're not learning about you as a person, you know, why would I want to buy your book? You know, what is it about you? That's right. That I can connect with that would make me want to buy your book, you know, or learn more about you. And, um, but social media, like it's kind of like a double-edged sword. You can use it to just keep pushing content out or you can use it to connect with people. And I'm more into connecting with people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think it's better when it's done that way. And I think too, Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. It's okay. Well, so, well, that's the thing, right? So social media, I think people forget the social part of it, you know, like for me, I actually enjoy, you know, the, the in-person events more. Right. And and as an independent author that, you know, it's really on me to set those things up, you know, and, um, I had done just as like a, a passion project. I had a beer blog that I've kept since I guess like 2011. Um, mm-hmm. And after a while I said, Oh, you know, it'd be cool to do, you know, like a, a beer book because it's something that I'm passionate about and people are interested in it. And I wound up doing a book tour. And what was funny was I set up, you know, I was able to get into all these different breweries and set up shop there and do book signings and stuff. And, and the best part of it to me was just interacting with people, you know, and whether they mm-hmm. bought a book or not, the conversation was the best part for me. And the funny thing was I sold, they let me have my fiction, you know, I, I had all of my books available and I sold more fiction than I did nonfiction. And um, I didn't anticipate that. And I think a lot of that had to wow. do with just, you know, interacting with people. And what's funny was, again, leveraging social media. When I finished that tour, you know, the problem is you don't know, you have to have stock on hand, right? If you're going to sell physical copies of the books and that's a challenge for, you know, an independent author. So I mm-hmm. had some stock left over at the end of the tour and I really wasn't sure what to do with it. I didn't want to just have it sitting in, in my house. And someone alerted to me, alerted me to the Goodreads giveaway program. And I fell in love with, you know, the way they were running it back in, um, in 2017, where I was able to set up, I could mm-hmm. kind of customize um, th- these giveaways for the books. And one of my dreams, as silly as it might sound, I said, wouldn't it be cool someday to say <laughs> that I had a book, you know, that somebody on every continent read my books? Well, through the Goodreads program, I was able to, you know, sort of localize these giveaways. And I did one on literally on every continent. And what was really neat was, you know, I had winners in, in Asia and in Africa, South America, and I sent the books all over the place. That's awesome. But what's funny was a few months later, I, you know, I did it and I, I pretty much forgot about it. Well, a few months later, I got a message from someone in South Africa saying that he had he was a winner. He had read the book and he loved the, you know, my work and, and what I was doing, you know, with my social media. 
And he invited me to join this global writers group. And I wound up meeting so many amazing people from South Africa in particular, um, just because of the fact that I did this giveaway, you know, and, and now I'm heavily involved. That's with, so powerful. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I have friends now that people that I genuinely, you know, think of as friends from halfway around the world who share the same interests as me, who are going through the same experiences. And it's all because of, you know, this guy, Andrew Christie and his, his books and everything group on Facebook, you know? So that's one of the cool things about social media, you know? And I don't know, it, it just helped me to think in a more broad, broad way about how to utilize social media and how to interact with people first, you know? So that was a cool experience. Right. Wow. That is cool. Wow. Thank you for sharing that story. That's awesome, Matthew. And it's the cool thing. Another cool thing about the internet in general, you were able to do a giveaway just like you say, for every continent, someone in every continent has their book in your and has your book in their hand. And you made that awesome connection from the people that you met in South Africa. That is that is really cool. Right. And, and that's the thing. Right. It's it's differentiating. That's again, that, that comes from the, the business background. Right. But it's what is everybody doing and how can I do that same thing differently? Or where is there a gap in, in this marketing you know, that I can kind of fill with a skill set that I have? You know, and, and I'm so lucky that my friend Howard Dunkley um, had alerted me to the Goodreads program, the Goodreads giveaways. And I said, oh, this is perfect. And then, you know, they did change it um, <laughs> a few months later. So it's not exactly the same as it used to be. But still, it's, it's an opportunity to connect directly with readers. You know, you get folks. I, I think that if there's one bit of advice I can give from a marketing standpoint, most writers that are starting out tend to start with their friends and family. They, you know, they get them on Facebook or on Twitter and they use that. They think that they can build off of that as their readership base. But the problem is the, the generating of interest and building and proliferating, you know, followership. It really doesn't start from there. You really do have to start from, you know, folks who are interested in what you're doing specifically, you know, and that's where Goodreads comes into play because it's a group of people who are interested in books, you know. So for a writer, it really is an unleveraged um, you know, resource that I, I think people can can really explore to their benefit. Right. Awesome. Wow. Thanks for sharing. That's such good info. And you're right. You're right. So, Matthew, this has been great. I've learned a lot. You shared some really, really good information. And I'm sure that the listeners are going to want to know how they can contact you. So share with us your website, um, your social media, however ways that the listening audience can contact you. Can you share that with us, please? Sure. So I use my um, my primary website, MatthewJohnBenneke.com, www.MatthewJohnBenneke.com uh, as you know my, my primary resource of information. So there's links to all of my books there. Um, I have some exciting new content that's coming up that I'll be posting there. Um, I work with an author in Brooklyn, uh, an author, I'm sorry, an artist in Brooklyn uh, and a photographer from Romania who actually works out of Transylvania of all places, which is kind of cool. Really? We have some cool collaborations and different projects that we have. So I, I, again, I try to differentiate that media, you know, um, and offer a bunch of different stuff. So if you go to my website, you'll find that stuff in the next couple of months, um, links to my books and um, links to all my social media pages. So on Twitter, especially, that's where I'm most active. But I also, you know, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and, and links to those accounts are available on that website um, and, and Goodreads awesome. as well, if, if you're into that. So. All right. Cool. Wow. This has been great. And Matthew, it's really, really been a pleasure having you as a guest on the Call to Action podcast. And I want to thank you just for 
being here and sharing really good information. And um, I learned a lot. And I'm sure that those who are listening learned a lot as well. And um, do you have any last words, like any final thing you want to share with the listeners? Uh, sure. Yeah. I, you know, I'm living proof that uh, if you have dreams and, and you know you put in the effort to to see them through, that um, that you can achieve them. You know, there's nothing special about me. I'm no different than anybody else. Um, th- if there is a difference, it's really just that I, I've tried to pursue those dreams. You know, and, and I would encourage anybody who's on the fence. Again, that if you're an aspiring writer, get to it. You know, if you're an aspiring artist, whatever it happens to be just take that first step as terrifying as it might be uh, because that first step will almost certainly be followed by another and another, you know, and, and that's really the exciting thing. We have such an opportunity in the society we live in to pursue these dreams and to, you know, to make a mark for ourselves and really it's just getting started, you know, is, is the biggest thing. So, and if I could be of any help to anybody, you know, whether you're a writer or, or just anybody in general, you know, I'm, I'm happy to help. So, and thank you, Shante, for having me on and, and, you know, being as supportive as you are in the writing community and online. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I enjoy it. I think I get just as much joy out of doing it as you guys receive, I guess. It's just been really fun for me too. Yeah, it's really cool. And, you know, and we appreciate yes. it shows. It definitely does. And this was a great fireside chat. I oh. appreciate uh, the opportunity to come on and, and spend some time with you here. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. So everyone, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more fireside chats on the call to action podcast and just keep moving forward until next time. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Call to Action podcast. Make sure to visit me on my blog at ctamarketing.biz. There you can find articles for entrepreneurs and self-starters on tech and tips to help navigate this ever-changing world. Until next time.